Welcome, Internet, to the Pixel Play Podcast, your weekly podcast where we get together to discuss everything going on in the video game world. I am one of your co-hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined as always by my co-host, Adam, CS Radical, and Chris, Chris and Jin. This week's episode, we're going to be talking about live service games. Are they still viable in 2023? Why are so many closing? We're also going to be talking about how do you love an IP that may have a bit of baggage with the IP creator? And Adam is coming to us with yet another review. This one for Beak and Pines. Is that the correct term, Adam? Is that the right? Beacon Pines. Beacon Pines. Uh, you got to announce it when you're talking, buddy. Beacon <laughs> at Pines. Uh, all that and more in this week's episode. Let's get going. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Fantastic. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's a good week. Lots of video games, all that kind nice. of stuff, you know? you know? What are you playing right now? A lot. Uh, Eastward, I'm replaying Chrono Cross, the remastered edition on Switch. You poor which bastard. Is both, it's, I love Chrono Cross so much, and I love it even more now that I'm older and I get a lot more of the references. But how the frame rate is still like 15 FPS, I just, what the, I'm playing the game on fast forward, it. it has... It has a fast forward option, and when you play it, it just feels like 60 FPS. Why didn't they just leave that on all the time? Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I've been That's playing like, that. I love that game to death, too. But every time I see how that thing plays out, I'm like, no. No, I can't. I can't. I'm going to make myself hate it. I can't do it. Yeah. And uh, for, for fun, a little on the side, Goldeneye on Xbox. Just throw it on a little bit, beat a couple levels. Makes me feel um, like I have a lot of knowledge in there from when I was in high school and playing. I just boom, 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 and I do all the objectives, beat a level in like three minutes, and then I try and remember something from chemistry at the same time, and I can't remember a single fact. So well, you, you only that's retain important information. You only retain important information. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's true. I have used now my golden eye knowledge a lot more than my chemistry knowledge in real life. So I guess that actually holds up. Adam, what about yourself? Yeah. It's definitely Goldeneye is definitely something I'm probably I'm considering also streaming that, but not the Xbox version, but the the uh, modified version that you can play with a mouse and keyboard because it's so fluid and I love it that way. So and I think we yeah we talked about this on the last show, but yeah that's something that I'm considering doing. I know I still got to I kept saying I was going to stream Resident Evil Two because I haven't started it yet, so that's something I still got to do at some point. This channel is going to get some streaming content again, so that that's something I should probably get on. And every time I get around to it, I'm like. And I could go play these other things because, I mean, I finished... I, I, technically, I should have three reviews this week, but I'm not going to do that because uh, that would be the entire show with the way that I ramble. Just start a second podcast show on this channel, just Adam reviews. I mean, at the rate I'm going, who knows? I mean, I'm starting to slow down because, uh, well, yeah, I, obviously Beacon Pines I'll get to later on the show, but... I ended up playing both uh, Wolfenstein, uh, the New Order, and Wolfenstein 2, the New Colossus. Ooh. So I got both of those in. Real and, quick, we don't have to you. Where did you fall in Wolfenstein? Uh, I definitely like those two a lot. I'm not going to touch Youngblood because I've heard way too many things about how that game is really, really cringy and isn't that well put together as a shooting RPG. So I'm not really too interested in going that route. But 1 and 2 were perfectly serviceable. Like I put them like just above average. Like They were fun to play. The story was decent. Obviously, like having that alternate history sort of timeline is kind of cool. And there was a bit of like fun to it here and there. I found that even playing on the easier difficulties that I, I felt like even then, I, the same reason that I had problems with the original Uncharted trilogy, and you know, they just throw way too many enemies at you in, in like a way to try to tell you, oh, see how harder it is now? I'm like, no, that's not what hard is. You know, 
it's obviously a conversation for another day, but hard is not increasing the amount of enemies or increasing the health of enemies. That's not that's not what hard is. That's bullshit. That's what that is. Yes, that's bullshit. Because, like, you, especially uh, in the second game, by the time you get towards the end, it's not really difficult. They just throw all of the most powerful enemies at you in waves. So you're just, it's easy to get killed because you just can't pay attention to everything on screen. Mm-hmm. So, like, I loved it, it to death. Like, don't get me wrong. When you, in, in the second game, where you get to choose, um, like, your extra power towards the later half of the game, I picked the one where you can just run and just bash the shit out of people like you can just charge people like you're the fucking juggernaut and yes i was playing in a discord when i got that and i'm the first thing i did was sprinted at people and just go do you know who i am i'm the juggernaut bitch because that is the did kind you, of nerd uh, i am and i'm also cringy play, as shit too don't get me wrong did you play the uh like the dlc one after uh no i didn't play the old uh, order or whatever it's, it's good called. it's good i i basically yeah, made it, the choice i just wanted to go through the two games and that was going to be it. I just wanted to like play those two specifically. I really, really love, uh, I already forget her name, but the villain, the main villain of the, of the series. There's two, two different villains. Well, like the, the female. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's fucking psychotic. And I love that. I, I had friends that were saying like, Oh, I think it's maybe like too over the top with that. I'm like, that's why it's good because every villain generally that's psychotic is just, you know, they're just dark and like scare and like actually like scary and sort of like, you know, unsettling. She is just holy shit. See, <laughs> like, I this bitch the first is crazy. One. I preferred the first Wolfenstein over over the second one slightly. They're both great games. But if I said it, if someone said, which one do I play? I, I, I lean towards the first one. I feel like the first one's a little bit tighter. I'd probably agree overall that the first one's better. I think I like the second one for different reasons, though. Just if, I think the second one just... It's kind of like how I like Saints Row the uh, four over like most of the others because it just gets sillier. So sometimes I, I kind of like the quirkiness that two has in comparison. I mean, mm. for fuck's sakes, the first level is you in a wheelchair shooting yeah. shooting Nazis down. So like <laughs> that that's the kind of shit that I love. Like that's the kind of stuff that I want a Wolfenstein movie and that being like the opening gunfight of the movie. Like that's where the opening like credits show up to like punch in the movie. That sounds like a good old time. You know what? That's a conversation. Wolfenstein needs a fucking movie. That's what I want. I I, could, I would definitely go to bat for that argument. I think Wolfenstein yeah. could. That would be super fun. Like the guy, what was that movie? Um, Lucky Number Seven, I think it was. Yeah. Like yeah. that, like that level of like cheesy action, but Wolfenstein. Yeah. That sounds like fun. That would be fun. That would be a good one. But yeah. Otherwise, going going to what I'm actually currently playing. Uh, I'm playing a game currently called Potionomics, which is like a deck builder game where you run a potion shop and there's like there's a bit of like dating sim elements to it there's a bit of um rng sort of luck manipulation in terms of like getting items and trying to craft certain things and trying to get ahead of time that one's been fun i'm also playing um a game called a space for the unbound which is uh published by the same studio that did coffee talk i know crystal will will like that uh it's basically like it almost looks like an old like super nintendo like 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 side-scrolling adventure game and it's very, uh, it's it's got some magical elements to it. It is a very stressful game, though. Not in terms of, like, challenge, just its storytelling is very stressful. It's definitely one of those games where I'm like, okay, we're going to play this in bursts because we cannot handle the amount of emotions they're throwing into this. Okay, let's just, just relax. But I've gotten two chapters in so far. It's really, really nice. I played the demo for it way back when, and I really liked it. 
So I was really happy to see it finally get a release and that'll be hopefully in the next couple of weeks something I finish and get to talk about, but it's a very uh it's a very emotionally stressful game right now and I'm just waiting to see when it gets even worse because it's I feel like it's still pulling punches on me right now which is very worrying. But otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. I'm having a having a good old time crafting potions and then getting ready to cry in a different game. You you guys with your child-free lives just playing multiple games just playing Far Cry when I can. I'm like, "Oh, what what's <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. That's the sound of nothing because there's no kids in here." <laughs> <laughs> Once again, when you need a kidney, I've got a donor bag to sleep like upstairs. It's great. <laughs> Well, that's a choice I'm just going to have to live with, I guess. I'll have to, I'll have to mooch off my niece, I think. <laughs> no, it's been great. Yeah, I've been playing Far Cry. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to go huge into it. It's a game I both love and hate for various reasons. I think like it feels very much like Far Cry 2 meets Far Cry 3. I really like it. It's a cool story. It's just typical Ubisoft fashion. It's just they. it's over flooded with like uh, stuff yeah. to do. And it's just like you had an awesome game. You just like, it, it was a perfect steak dinner. And you just said, Hey, do you want the 64 ounce? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. And they're like, great. Here's the 64 ounce with a bunch of fries. And I'm sure the first eight to 12 ounces were good, but now I'm just eating it. Cause I just need to finish it. And I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. I just want my picture on the wall. Ubisoft <laughs> is pretty standard. It's like, Hey, here's something really cool. Now watch us ruin it right in front of your very eyes. It's yeah. not ruined. It's just bloated. It's just it there's bloated, so yeah. much. Yeah, like nothing's bad. Like it's a it's a solid game. Just there's like way too much. Like they're like, hey, here's like one of 150 collectibles, one of many. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. No, no we are like, sorry. I, re I, re I rephrase the the statement. Here's a really fun game. Let's slowly chip away at your enjoyment of it. <laughs> we're golden path in this bitch. That's what we're doing. Like, yeah, it's. It's great. Like the the story's cool. Like being basically like a rebel in a Cuban dictatorship, super cool. But oh my god, just the amount of stuff. And it's this isn't a review for Far Cry at the end at this point, but it's coming. They have the, this weird thing where like there's like four different areas, and there's people that give you information. It is literally the same person. Like in this area, every single informant is just the same girl, same like design, same shirt. Like they don't change at all, and it's just like. Hey, I've got some intel for you. And it's the one girl. I'm like, you're the only person. Are you just like the best spy in the world? And you just got all the information. Like, it's just so weird. And I just got into a second area and it seems to have that same thing where it's just some random person. And they're going to be the one that gives me all the clues along the way. And I'm like, if you have all this information, why are you not like higher up in this revolution? <laughs> yeah. Why don't they give you the information all at once? Why are you having to meet with them multiple times? I don't know. It's, it's fun. Like I, I got the game for twenty bucks, and it's right there at that twenty dollars price point. Nice. Anyways, uh, let's jump into uh, this week's episode. This week's topics. Uh, first thing that came up, uh, I think it was you, Chris. You're kind of bringing up the topic of uh, live service games. So, Back for Blood is being announced that they're getting no more content. Uh, we saw Avengers live services getting shut down, and, and you were kind of asking the group, like, "Hey." Are live services still viable? Um, you know, why like, do they work? Are there too many? Like, is it better for them to have a defined ending? So, like, I thought we could kind of jump into that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely something that came to my mind because the Avengers and Back for Blood, like, both of them kind of stopping around the same time definitely showed that uh, 
it's not good for live service, I guess, right now, because a bunch of them are, are uh, kind of closing down. But it could be a multitude of things. Is it like, yeah, they're fine, but there's just too many companies that have, or, ga or developers that have tried, like, hey, we can turn ours into a live service game. And if you have too many live service games, not all of them are going to succeed. Um, or it could be that gamers actually don't want them as much. Like, who knows? It really could be uh, a bunch of different things that I, I figured we could uh, discuss. For me I mean, personally, reality... oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, finish. No, no, go, go, go. Well, no, 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 say, I was going to go the... into a big time. <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing too with live service games is that they've always been around, but they've been always called by a different name. Like MMORPGs have been essentially live service games for the longest time. And depending on whether some of them are free to play, like say Guild Wars after you bought the initial disc or World of Warcraft where there's a subscription to it, it's always existed. It's just, I think now the term exists and it's always being used in a marketing capacity. Because, look, I know that we generally will say live service games, but let's be honest, we don't call Destiny 2 a live service game. We don't call Final Fantasy XIV a live service game. We only call the ones that we know are bad live service games. So I think the term itself is actually more of a negative for most. The business will use it because that's their money marketing strategy. That's, that's the term that they tell investors, hey, this is going to make you a shit ton of money. Whereas we hear the term and we go, this is going to cost us a shit ton of money. <laughs> See, I, I think it's different though. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it has to do with like quality of the game because I personally, I don't know if I like, and you can speak more to this because I know you play more destiny, but like destiny, one of the key differentiators I think for a live service game is the regular and almost expected to the like date updates of the game, right? Like you mentioned world of Warcraft, you mentioned destiny. If I remember correctly, like those don't have like seasons and like they don't have like a, a scheduled drip of content. Like I remember World of Warcraft, it was a big thing when an expansion came. I imagine I think it's the same with Destiny. Destiny doesn't have like a season every eight weeks or 12 weeks, whereas something like Fortnite or Back for Blood or something like where it's like every like even Call of Duty has like a new season every X amount of weeks. And this is not my area of expertise. So if I'm out in that field, please let me know. But like I feel the the thing is that with like live service, the idea is that it is a continuous drip feed of content versus other games like we're saying Halo or we're saying Destiny and, and World of Warcraft, where large expansions are dropped, yes, but it's not a continuous expected kind of daily grind kind of thing. Yeah, I mean Destiny as someone who who currently does play it and might be getting their new expansion at the end of the month when Lifefall comes out. Um the way that Destiny, and Destiny is probably the, one of the better examples of it being done, I guess well, although a lot of Destiny fans will tell you that the way things have been in the last little while has definitely changed people's opinions of it, because they've definitely gone into the hands of, or definitely into the land of, okay, now you're starting to gouge us a little bit. But, like, how it normally will work now is that they'll pop out a new season, it's usually like a small amount of story, they'll throw in some new weaponry, usually a new dungeon of some sort. Sometimes you get a new raid, sometimes you won't, like, Sometimes they've even been putting a classic Destiny 1 raids in as as a big thing of it. But generally, you know that when you buy the big expansions, that's when it's like game-changing. That's when completely new maps are being added, completely new raids, whole new storyline that's like multiple, multiple hours to go through. But season-wise, they still put in a fair amount of content. Some are better than others, as you know, like most games would have in that. Like I'm sure a lot of fans of any game like 14 or many others are going, well, this one was decent, this one was not as good. Like It's always like that. But I find that they at least have the framework to work with. I think what a, pro a problem with a lot of live service games today 
is that when it comes out, it's not polished. So it doesn't have that good base. I'm not saying Destiny also was polished either, but the fundamentals, at least I thought of Destiny when I, cause I played it from launch and played it for the entirety of Destiny 1 I played and then a little bit of Destiny 2 before I broke off. The base was always there. Like as a shooter, it's well done. It's very well controlled. The only thing that was struggling in the beginning was its loot system, but that was easily fixed once a couple of tweaks came in. So that can be fixed pretty quickly. The problem with a lot of live service games that I've seen recently is that when they come out, the game isn't that interesting. So it doesn't hook you right away. And it's almost impossible to climb out of that hole. Like Avengers, most people who play the demo knew right away, this game isn't, this game is going to get boring in, in a couple of days. I played Outriders at launch. And after I finished the main story, I went, there's nothing left to do. There's nothing interesting here and no one's already playing it. There's really no point. Destiny, when I got to the end, I went, okay, there's the raid. Okay. They're still collecting loot to try to get the best guns impossible. And it's a pretty vibrant community. So that worked in its favor. Most live service games don't get that. And I think that's a big part of why so many of them struggle. They don't have a good base and they don't invigorate a fan base enough to stay with it that people who do stick around can really truly enjoy it unless they suddenly, unless they luck into like having a really good, like small group that are going to be playing it all the time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there on pretty much all of your points. I think another thing is, at least for me personally, I find that too many games are like, developers are taking games that aren't normally live service and they're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I'll take this 3D action game and I'll take it and I'll make it live service because there'll be so many different cosmetics and people are going to want to keep playing the same levels over and over and over and they're going to play it so much that they're going to want to buy all the cosmetics and we'll make a bunch of money and that was kind of like avengers i played through the core story of it the game wasn't great it was okay um like the story was decent and stuff but the gameplay itself was pretty pretty boring um and it, it's it just wasn't going to be something that people are going to want to go back and play all the time like Imagine playing a normal 3D action game, like an Uncharted. Are you going to want to keep going back and play, you know, levels of Uncharted, the same levels and stuff and the same, you know, just giant situations of, of having to take out like 200 enemies and then like, yeah, you did it. Now buy a new hat for uh, Nathan Drake and then go do it again. It's just like certain games aren't going to translate. And for me, I, that's what I've noticed with some of the ones getting canceled. It kind of happened with like when people heard back for blood was coming everybody was like oh my god left for dead 2 the people are back they're gonna make another one that's great we're gonna get left for dead 3 it's just a different name blah 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 um and i actually liked that game sure the deck building and everything is a little bit different but once you start to get used to it i actually liked the game for what it was and i wish it was more just that they had decided to make their you know 20 levels flesh them out and when people would go back and play left for dead yeah, people would play all the time. It wasn't like, oh, I have to buy these new cosmetics and all that. It was just a fun four-player game to go play with your friends. Even if you did a couple levels here and there, um, you know, you'd go and do it. But it was fun because it was just, again, something you do with a few friends. Um, Back for Blood seemed like it was going to be the same thing. But then they're like, oh, here's the game fleshed out. Okay, here's the next expansion. Here, we're going to drop all this. Here's the different cosmetics and stuff. And it's like, well, what's happening? Like, this sounds like... 
I can't keep up with all of this. I just want to play, you know, give me my 15 levels and me and my friends will pick three of them and we'll play them. And that was our Thursday night and we'll move on. Um, so I think that just a bunch of the games aren't, aren't really designed to last as something you consistently go back to. Um, unlike something like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, both of which I actually played. And like, yeah, you can go in there and you can go and craft things and you can go and, you know, decorate your house or you can go and do the main story or you can go and do dungeon raids and you can customize your character's outfits, which you earn by doing a dungeon, not just by like, oh, here's my money and, you know, buy this, buy that. You pay your monthly fee and that monthly fee gets you a huge world. Whereas, again, there's no way Avengers or Left for Dead, or not Left for Dead, Back for Blood, is going to be able to keep up with, like, a World of Warcraft or a Final Fantasy XIV with having, you know, a giant world to just play around in, more like a sandbox versus, like, hey, do this level and do it, like, 20 times. Not many people want to do that. So, no. I don't know. That's kind of where I sit. I think it's also a situation that, like, one of the things that we don't talk about is just the... And we kind of hinted at it at the beginning is the the volume, right? Like we have far more live service games now than we did before. And this is a problem that we saw in the mid 2000s where there's just everything was a multiplayer game. And like people only have so much time in their day and only so much money in their pockets that you are now competing for that time. You're competing for that money. And with there being with these having time commitments of like, hey, you have to play this daily, weekly or whatever to get the challenges, to get the season pass, to get your money's worth. There's now you're competing for more of their time with less of it being available. And so you have that you're going to have a situation where it's like a sinker. It's going to be it's going to be feast or famine in the sense that some games like Call of Duty, uh, Destiny, World of Warcraft, um, Final, like those are going to be the ones that are going to do really well. And then you're going to have things like Avengers, which are not going to get the time. And I think there's an element of repetitiveness as well in that you're doing the same activities. You're doing the same things over and over for for content but that then has a problem that if you have someone who does like back for blood or something like that but maybe doesn't have the time to commit to doing you know the challenges daily the weekly things like they get fall behind and it gets to the point where you're so far behind that you're not going to be interested an example i have uh and it's not a live service game but it kind of falls in that realm a bit is like my wife loves animal crossing right she doesn't have and this is why i don't play animal crossing but like she has the issue where like she'll go days weeks even like months of not playing animal crossing and when she comes back she has all this work she has to do before she can start playing the game like she has to clean up the island you know do all this like she's getting penalized for not playing to the point that when she does want to play it's not enjoyable it's not pleasant like she's she's like i have to do so much catch-up that it dissuades her from picking the game up and playing it again yeah a, 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 a large I, I, part I, I, of just live service as a whole is just retention. Like that is the mm-hmm. biggest key to a lot of these in that they mm-hmm. just, they can't hold people whether they mm-hmm. can stick around for a long period of time or if they leave and come back, but they don't stay because they just realize it's, it's impossible to keep up anymore. And that's the problem. Like very few games are able to, to accomplish that to the point that I don't even know if there's really a game that actually does accomplish that. There are just certain games that are good enough that people are willing to put the work back in to keep, to get back into the fray of things again. Yeah. I mean, we're also going with the assumption that these are failures and the companies are disappointed that they're shutting down these services. And that's why it could be one of those things where, Hey, like they made, like they know that it's not going to last forever. And so it's just, instead of selling a 50, $60, $70 game, 
and getting once. If they get someone to commit to three season passes, that's more money than they would have made before. So like, it's not necessarily a thing where it's supposed to be going on indefinitely, but rather just make as much money as you can when you can. And then when it's done, just shut it down and then call it a success. Yeah, I mean, in the two cases we're outlining, like Avengers, I truly believe is a, is a massive flop because with that license, it should have been amazingly well sold and it didn't do very well at all. Back for Blood, I think it's just a case of they try to do something different with the Left 4 Dead formula. It worked to an extent, but not enough to retain people. You know, I think still as a game, like if Chris, like if if we got together with our usual friend group and played again, we'd still have a good time. But, you know, we're not going to be going out of our way to do anything like uniquely different we're just going to go and play through the same levels again and just you know wreck shit like that's all we really want to do i think the problem is is that a lot of these companies are making these games with the expectation that they're going to have a large audience that's going to want to not only keep up with what they're coming but put more money into it where a lot of people just they want to play the game that they bought initially and just play the game that they that they paid for initially and not have to spend you know an extra 20 bucks over the every like let's say season you know, every three to four months just to be able to enjoy it again. Like it should be a matter of, hey, I gave you my 60 whatever dollars, you know, at launch, just make the game that I, I wanted you to make. And if you're going to add anything into it, just make it free. Yeah, it's like you already or, got my money. If, if yeah, you want to, if you want to do these big whole things, well, then they better be worth it. And more often than not, I find they aren't. Yeah, like with Back for Blood, it, I think it's a great game and it's, I want to go back and play more. It's just, for me, it's like, I would have treated this game more like, here's the base game. And then, yeah, later on, maybe there's some DLC where they add six new levels and it's 10 bucks for the DLC. And sure, I probably would have paid the 10 bucks for six new levels. Like, that's fantastic. Or whatever the price, of course, it would have been. But, like, I would have preferred something along those lines where I can just expand on the experience if I want to drop a little bit more money. And it has nothing to do with seasons and keeping up and... If I launch the game, I'm so far behind. It's either you have the extra six levels or you don't. doesn't matter. You can launch up the base game and just play the original 10 or 15 levels anyways. Yeah, and I think with yeah. Back for Blood, that was maybe their mistake too in thinking that this was the kind of game that people would want to spend more money coming back to. I think a lot of people, again, looked at this as Left 4 Dead 3 and they didn't get Left 4 Dead 3. They got Left 4 Dead 2 with expansions. Yeah. And I don't think people were necessarily looking into that. I think they just wanted a game that... Once you put your money down, you know, that's just going to that's going to be the game that you keep coming back to once in a blue moon and just having a good old time romping zombies with your friends. And then the odd time, if you want to go really deep into it, you go into the mod community and see what fun stuff you can pull out of there, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think as I mean, a whole, though, like, I, th I honestly, I think that the biggest problem right now is, as I said at the very beginning of the conversation, every time we hear the words live service, we immediately think, oh God, this is a money sink. And most people just immediately lose their interest. And sometimes the game is actually really good, but people just, they don't want to invest into it because they know what can potentially happen to these games, which is just absolute greed and a game that's not going to be ready upon release. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to have a really expensive, or not expensive, um, really high like space taking up like day one patch, that's going to fix a lot of problems, but still doesn't address much of them. And it's going to feel like it's an unfinished game. And that's the problem with a lot of these live service games is that they feel very unfinished. And I think people, once they see that, they go, okay, well, I'm out then. They'll play their little bit of time and say like, yeah, this is all right, but I definitely don't want to come back to it. Like, you know, if a game that's, that's being designed as a live service, like let's take Avengers as the key example. If 
the care of Avengers was done in the same like quality level of say a Spider-Man game, that game survives and thrives. The problem is, is the game when it came out was not in the best condition. And the amount of times that, you know, we had been told it's going to be live service. We're going to do all this. We're going to be like, they were already planning what the next things were going to be for you to put your money towards. So everybody's just going into the game going, okay, so you're not actually here to give me an experience. You're here to take my money. And not every, not every, especially with a new IP, you're not going to get people in that easily. Like sports game, like EA sports has the shit down pat. They can do whatever they want now. People are locked in. They're showing up for the next Madden. They're going to spend their $200 on, on Madden Ultimate Team packs because they're fucking sheep. But, you know, if you're coming into a new IP, like a Back for Blood or a Marvel's Avengers or whatever else that comes out down the pipeline. Let me name we haven't brought up yet. Anthem. Uh, what? Well, clearly that's the reason why we don't talk about it because what about Anthem? I, I mean, you bring up a good point. I just, I was thinking like, man, we didn't even bring up Anthem and that game lives and died. But I think you bring up an interesting point in that if you look at like the successful live service games with, I think the caveat being Fortnite, like a lot of these live service games like Final Fantasy, like Destiny, like World of Warcraft, like, um, oh my goodness, Call of Duty, like Warzone. Like the the big thing that kind of connects them all together is that they are established IPs. They did not start out as subscription-based live service games they you know they started as something else and they built that fan base yeah the only exception of the rule is technically destiny but also it was coming off of bungie leaving halo so there was still that that recognition but was destiny was destiny a live service game when it first came Well, destiny's always been live service but it was it was free to play not too long ago with destiny 2 but it's always been Hmm. live service it's just we yeah. wouldn't we never called it that back then because it wasn't a buzzword back in those days. Yeah. Fair enough. Because like yeah, I yeah. said, like World of Warcraft has always been a live service game, technically. It's just it wasn't called that back then. It was just an MMORPG in the same way that it was with Guild Wars, City of Heroes, uh EverQuest, like all of those games. Like it was just a different yeah. term. Now the term that we have is well, we still have MMORPG, but game as a live service is now a term that we use with games that are just constantly being reinvigorated with new seasons or new expansions. So they're MMORPGs, but they're not just MMORPGs anymore. Now Destiny is a first-person shooter MMO, I guess you could say. Like, there's so many different variances now. The difference is, is we came up with a new term, and most of the times that that term has been used has been with either disastrous games or just games that clearly were gouging us a little bit too much. So it's now become almost like a bad word. It's a dirty word now in the game in, in the gaming community. Yeah, totally. Cause um, like the suicide squad game coming out, kill the justice league. There was a leaked photo that showed seasons pass on the main menu and everybody just started posting. It's going to be a live service game. And all of this hate for a game that like, all they've seen is a screenshot is now out there. Cause everyone's like, and, and that's exactly to just where it is. Yeah. It's, it's the same with like whenever Marvel. whenever something's announced as a battle royale now. Like everybody's like, oh my god, another. Because yeah, like, and, then, and that's how it is now. Like that's how the industry is. As soon remember, like we were joking in the summer games fest last time. Where it's like, why is there so many space horror games this year? What's yeah. happening? It's just there's yeah. always something that's like the the thing that we all go, oh my god, another one of these. It's not going to be good. We know it's not going to be good because they never are. Like. Yeah. It's so rare now that a new IP comes out that's a live service game. I can't even think of one that isn't like already pre-established in some aspect. Yeah. Like also, Back for Back for Blood like worked, but it didn't retain for very long compared to say what a Left 4 Dead 2 ever did. 
Yeah. Like, there was and mild like when, success, but not, like, massive. No. When um, World of Warcraft was launching, for example, too, like, that was a new idea back then. MMOs were, like, they were kind of around, but they weren't in the mainstream for gaming yet. They actually had to put a lot of effort into making that thing, like, amazing so that when people finally tried it, yeah, it was an established IP being, you know, Warcraft, um, but they still had to make it really good and it may have launched with maybe some server issues, but for the most part, it was launched and it was this huge world with everything there. And Adam, like you said, a game will launch now as a, as a live service, and it's like, all right, the first three levels are here. And then, Feels like a beta. You know, more, yeah, and then more to come later. And it's like, the heck, like Final Fantasy XIV, even that was a rough launch when it first came out. To the point that they had to completely cancel it and start over. <laughs> Yeah, like, and I think only the IP was the reason that survived that. Because if it was some other MMO, people would like, I don't care about fantasy MMO RPG over here that that sucked. I'm not. Oh yeah, it would have been dead on arrival after that. Like that was dead. Yeah. So, Kaylin, that that definitely goes into your point that it's established IPs are are a big part of it. Yeah. Speaking of dirty words like live service, let's talk about Harry Potter. dirty Uh, words yes (laughs) okay i'm sorry i know i said it was going to be bad but i was wrong okay i like eating crow when that happens no so one thing i was going to bring to the table this week so harry potter legacy or hogwarts legacy uh comes out this week and it's getting amazing reviews but this game is coming with a lot of baggage uh because a lot like a lot of people have hesitancies or concerns or unwillingness to purchase or support the game because of its association with JK Rowling and her transphobic uh, comments and stuff. And so I, I don't want to make it entirely a Harry Potter conversation. Like, I don't think any of us are on the side of, you know, JK Rowling and, and agreeing with her, but just a larger conversation of like, where do we draw the line in terms of separating art from the artists? You know, do we, are we able to enjoy I, uh, the creations that might be from people who have, views that we don't agree with or that are hateful or um how do we balance that what's the line because we can talk about it but for me i I look at hogwarts legacy and yes uh you know i'm fully supportive of trans rights and all that i don't support you know what jk Rowling's views are at the same time you know i know hogwarts legacy is a very popular game that's made with a lot of people who you know very well could have views that are against and don't support jk Rowling. like there's a whole team behind this and is their work, should it be canceled because of one person? And so, like, how how do you guys balance that line between a, a creator with, you know, poor poor values versus a, a content or, or, or IP that you might like? Well, I mean, first off, um, the idea that we've seen with a lot of people, and again, this is online banter, so most of it you can just throw out the window because it's outrage culture, as we see online. But... I don't like the idea that people have been going out saying, oh, no one should be buying this game because X. I don't agree with the idea of, of going out and telling people that you should boycott this game. If you want to boycott a game, that's of your own personal discretion. I don't like the idea of, like, I would never, and if I ever have on the show, point it out to me and call me a hypocrite for saying it because I do not believe that I would that we should ever on the show, for example, tell people, boycott this game because of X. We should say like, hey, we don't like X and we're not going to play it. But we'll never, like, I don't think any of us will ever say on the show, you are not, you do not buy this. Like, absolutely, you should not buy this because of X. 
we'll say like, oh, this game runs like ass or, oh, this, this game is clearly unfinished but like, and stuff like that. But like in the case of like Hogwarts Legacy, if I truly felt to the point that I would not be able to play this game because of how I feel about the comments that JK has made, I still wouldn't tell other people, do not buy this game. If you love Harry Potter that much and you're able to look past it, go for it. That's your goddamn choice. That's, again, the whole thing that people will say, vote with your wallet. I don't believe that you buying Hogwarts Legacy is in any way supporting J.K. Rowling's thoughts. You're supporting a team that designed a game. You're supporting an idea. You're supporting an art concept. And it's something that's meant to, to for your enjoyment. I don't, like, if somebody else is hurt by the views of it to the point that they can't play it, then they don't have to play the game. All's good. All to them. No worry about it. You do what you have to do to keep yourself safe. But if somebody else wants to enjoy the game because it's their just way of getting out of their own, like, negative shit that's going on in their life, if Hogwarts Legacy ends up being, like, a way for some people to go into their own fantasy land because they're big Harry Potter fans and wanted to be themselves in Hogwarts, dude, why would I ever tell somebody to not do that? That sounds like a fucking blast. So when it comes to boycotting overall, like, as a personal thing, like, I've boycotted, like, Ubisoft and Bethesda for a number of years just because of the idea of, like, not being interested in what they were doing because of, like, design choices they've done. And then, uh, fucking, oh my god, Hi-Fi Rush came out, and all of a sudden, look at me playing Bethesda games again. Like, it, it can change at any point. I don't think that a boycott should be anything other than personal to you. And after, the, after that, it's like, yo, like, if somebody wants to enjoy this thing, it doesn't, like, automatically make them transphobic. I've seen some really stupid takes out there, but again, this is Twitter or Reddit or whatever else. I can't even tell if these are real thoughts anymore. I, I've told people so many times before, I don't take any thought online seriously anymore because I can't tell what's a troll anymore because it's impossible. Yeah, like, some of it sounds like only a troll would write this. Like, no person that I was talking to in person could make this sentence and just say it. Like, that's just, it must be a troll. But even something as simple as saying, if you buy Hogwarts Legacy, you're supporting transphobia. That can be a troll, and you'll never know. And also, again, like, it's just a thought that it's just, it doesn't have to be something that's directed to any single person. Like, the idea that, you know, you buying a game suddenly supports, like, unless the game is literally, like, being funded by a Nazi organization, I think that's different. But to our knowledge, the studio that produced this game is not suddenly, you know, going out there and donating to the KKK or anything, you know? So, you know, I don't think we have to think about that too much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very much in line with, with both of you with this so far. Because um, for like, from ever, I think that everybody has their own line that they are willing to cross. Uh, and for every individual, it's going to be an individual decision based on their own personal feelings. Like for me in this one, I I definitely would be able to buy the game and I would not feel any connection to JK at all, any of her opinions, especially any of her horrible ones, because it's not just like she made it and then walked up and was like, hey, I just wrote this new book. Do you want to read it? This is a studio, Aval I think Avalanche Studio, mm -hmm. and they may have just like, I think it was 2017. They probably just gave a bag of money to JK and was like, hey, we want to use your IP to make a game you know, here's money, please give us the rights to do that. And then JK was gone. And that was it, like five years ago. And that's the last she ever heard of anything or six years ago, I guess now. And for me, I can easily now distinguish, like this is not JK's 
you know, imagination and all that other stuff. It's this team of people that if I choose to boycott this, I'm actually hurting them versus her because one, does she already have her money? In my opinion, probably. Um, so I'm, in fact, I'm wanting to hurt this other person, but now I'm just hurting this, you know, these hundreds of developers who are making something. Um, so like, that's me personally, how I can, you know, separate it, but everybody's going to have their own separate line, right? Like some people feel like, no, this is like, I'm walking up to JK and buying this game right over hand. So I personally cannot buy this because I don't agree with her. Um, and that's fine. And I think Adam, you said it really great when you were like, it's up to the individual and it's not like somebody can tell somebody else what their line is because everybody's line is different. We can all disagree on everybody's line. You know, something, Adam, you're willing where your line is, maybe that's not the same as where my line is. But that doesn't mean I get to tell you where your line is, of course. And our biases um, are also going to stick out too. Mind. Like, I'm sure that for some people who are going to buy Hogwarts Legacy, like, because they're such a big fan of Harry Potter, that line suddenly gets a little a little further away because you have such an attachment to that property. Cause like, for example, like I'm sure there are a lot of people right now when it came to Chris Pratt that just couldn't watch the guardians movies anymore because of the stuff that came out with him. That's just like a loose example, but like any other celebrity out there, like there are just certain things where if there's an attachment pre-existing for you already, it's harder for that line to cross because you give it a little bit more leeway than say, you know, something you had no interest in to begin with. So if you suddenly find out that, you know, X person is a real piece of shit, but you've never really been taking in part in their content to begin with, well, it's easy to just turn away and not bother with that. It's definitely harder for someone to make that decision on something that they have a much stronger connection to. And that's why I also don't fault people if they want to buy it. Like, do I, like, I think there's also something to be said that you can buy Hogwarts Legacy and still give a massive middle finger and say, fuck you, JK Rowling. And there is nothing wrong with that. The fact that I see people say that you can't do both is astonishing to me. Cause like, if that's the case, if you think that by buying Hogwarts Legacy that you suddenly are taking part in the just downright malicious behavior that is done to so many people in the LGBT community, then by that logic, you're not allowed to have almost any sort of technology in your life because you're now you're supporting child slavery. Like, that's just the line. You know, take your cell phones away. You clearly can't have those anymore. You can, Like, most of the clothes that we're wearing can't wear them anymore. So, like, what's the line? The idea is just, especially in this day of outrage culture, the internet is just so sold on drama that they have to run this stuff up. I don't actually believe that there's like almost any case that I think a true boycott is actually necessary. And I think more often than not, it's not going to have anything to do with anything political. It's going to have to do with the actual business practices of, of the content or that the game is just so poorly made. And we're t like speaking in, in terms of video games, like those to me would be more likely to be boycotting something than anything else. Like when Cyberpunk initially released, that's the kind of thing that I go, guys, don't go and buy that. It's broken right now. Wait till that thing's fixed up and then go and grab that. That to me is more of a reason to tell people, hey, don't touch this right now. I don't think anything politically based, like unless it's something so absolutely egregious, because like, look at this, look at how well Call of Duty's still doing and after everything that happened in Activision with Bobby Kotick. So like, does that really tell you that, you know, boycotting really does anything? No, it's a personal thing. If you want to do it, go right ahead, but don't act like, you know, don't get on your high horse and suddenly think that you're going to be able to change the landscape of the industry because you said, oh, don't buy this. Like, it's not going to. If the thing is that well pre-established, like people are going to decide just based on their comfort zone. And I 
based on the sounds of it, most people have been okay with it because I think they can differentiate between the team that made Hogwarts Legacy and the asshole on the other side that just happens to be loosely based with what this property is being made with. Yeah, I think there's I think there's something to be said that, you know, Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling, while definitely tied with each other, are two separate things, two separate entities. And I think it comes back to, for me, I very much am of the mind that, you know, the creation or the IP is separated from the artist. And for me, it's, you know, I, I definitely don't, are people I don't support that's a personal choice like we talked about but I think it's comes down to like this person has a platform and how they use that platform is is important and so for me I look at it as like okay is the content that they're creating perpetuating this ideology that they have and if the answer is yes then that's something that I avoid but someone can have shitty opinions but if they're not if the content that they're creating if the stuff that they're putting out into the world from a, from a product perspective doesn't support those. I don't think there's an issue. If you, if you do support it, it it's a gray zone and I can see both arguments for there. But for me, it's how is it that like, is the content you're consuming supporting the message that the author is putting? If the answer is yes, I think that's something that probably you need to evaluate and say, is this something I do want to support? But to just say that something is like persona non grata because the author or the creator has has said things that you don't agree with i don't know I, I i i don't disparage anyone who does have that view and wants to shut it down and not support it all for it but i don't think that there is anything to like you can't really critique someone for for supporting something that is innocent in all standards with the exception of who it's associated and attached to and yeah, we like, don't know i i don't think we know what the arrangement or agreement is between avalanche and and jk rowling like did she get a lump sum is she getting royalties like it's hard to say like the damage might be done already and the question is does avalanche pay the price for having done business with this person that's a question that each one of us has to decide and, and i think everyone's gonna have a different answer and i don't think anyone's wrong for the answer that they come with unless your idea is that like you agree with jk rowling's opinions in which case like I, I, I disagree, and I think there's a conversation to be had, but that's a separate argument with far larger implications. Yeah, this isn't the politics stream, so we're not looking into no. that. But, like, the no. idea of, you know, how to how to be able to draw the line between, like, what's the creator and what's the, you know, what's the fictional property. If the Harry Potter series, like, if Hogwarts Legacy, like, and we would know by now because reviewers have gotten their hands on it. If Harry right. Potter was actually a game filled to the brim with transphobia, that's a different story. But to our knowledge, it's not. Because believe me, that would be out by now. The early yeah. reviews would have told us everything we need to know because you know that people were going to be going through it with a fine-tooth comb to find that stuff. So based on that logic, because it hasn't happened at this point, at least not from the major publications, I'm sure there's going to be the odd article I'm going to find somewhere in the next week or so when the game officially releases, and people like, oh, this one really off-brand comic from an NPC clearly means that they support, like, this always happens. But like yeah. in this specific case, it looks to me like it was a game that was made in a universe that a lot of people were really enjoying and just happens to be initially created by someone with some pretty shitty views. Does that mean that that game is suddenly supporting everything that that person says? I don't believe for a second it does, because if that was the case, well, I guess I guess as gamers were guilty to a lot of goddamn things over the course, just on these seven degrees to Kevin Bacon level things that we have to go through here. So. I think that's really the key here. It's to yeah. me, 
no matter how shitty the creator is, the content is key. There obviously are certain levels. Like, I'll give you a great example. There is a band that I used to love back in high school called Lost Prophets. And they were like, um, they were a pretty decent, like, rock, sort of like alternative band. And it came out well in, I can't remember what the year was, but it was definitely with, within, like, the last, like, 10 years or so that the lead singer of the band was a pedophile. And it was, and not, not like, I won't give you details, but seriously bad pedophilia, like very disturbing levels. And that is a line that has, that I have to go, that is enough. That to me is different because also you're hearing his voice the entire time. So that is a level where I think that matters. So in the case of like, say like, I don't think I could go back and play Call of Duty um, Advanced Warfare anymore because of Kevin Spacey. I think that like there's an example there too. It depends on the content. If J.K. Rowling was the narrator of this game, I think that would definitely be a little bit different. But because J.K. is really just involved only because the series that it takes from, I don't think that that really is necessarily a distinction where you look at the two and go, yeah, this is the same thing. I don't look at Hogwarts Legacy and J.K. as the same thing in the same way that, you know, I wouldn't look at any other game if it was just if it's just the director of a game that has some shitty opinions, whatever. Like as long as as long as the shitty opinions are being expelled into that game, whatever. Like I can get past that. Some people can't. No prob. That's your decision. It's your money. Spend it however you want to. As a lot of people who uh, are pissed about cancel culture would say, vote with your wallet. Yeah, go and fucking do that. Works both ways. So do whatever you want. Like if you want to vote with, if pe- I'm sure people are going to spite buy Hogwarts Legacy because they do that in the same way that like people spite bought Dead or Alive Extreme 3 because so many articles came out about it, about how sexist it was. And I'm like, that's just how it works. Vote with your wallet. Just do whatever you want. Like that's Who? the thing. It's your choice as a consumer. Does it necessarily mean that you support toxic opinions? Not necessarily. Some people they do. Some people are buying Hogwarts Legacy just to say fuck you to the libs. But that's their choice. But we all as a collective can kind of decide like whether or not like it actually is enough worth of a boycott. And I don't think that this case is even remotely close to that level. Who and if you're asking me what that line is, like, again, it would have to be like, like if we're talking from a political level, this would be, this would have to be like levels of, you know, sup- like actually like say of Bioshock Infinite with its racism was actually saying this is okay. Like, if they were clearly portraying in a way that we agree with this, that's different. But that's not what Bioshock Infinite did. Yeah. You are going to ask a question, Kalen? I I thought you were about to ask something. Yeah, I was going to say, who has spite money in this economy? (laughs) Have you seen the the, the right? Oh, they have spite money. Oh, (laughs) they have a lot of spite money. Actually, that's probably not true. It's probably all on their credit cards and they're running debt. But, you know, that's that's how things work. They have spiked debt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, right, look, like the let's... amount of the amount of Alex Jones products that people are buying, like clearly it's it's not might not even be spite money. It's just dumb money at that point. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap up this show. Uh, Adam, you have for us another untimely review. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, we don't get games on uh, for free. We don't get them early. So we review them on our own dime, on our own time, bringing you untimely reviews. Adam, this week you've got a review for Beacon Peak. Have at Beacon it, Pines. God Whatever. Damn it. Whatever. That's a professionalism I bring to the table here. Beacon Pines. Let's go. All right. So this game Be- is called Deacon Rhymes. Beacon Pines. All right. <laughs> 
Oh wait, wait, wait! Games is alive. It's okay. I got, I got an idea for a new games is alive service game. It's called Leakin Fines. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Beacon Pines. So that is my new game that I have finished on my quest to apparently trying to uh, finish my entire backlog in the span of two months at this rate. But uh, so it's a Game Pass game that I came across just because I really like the art style when I looked at the trailers for it. So it's got a um, a very like hand drawn uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I guess furry is the wrong word to use, but like, kind of like, um, oh my God, I can't think of the word, but like when it's like a, like a humanoid, I guess is probably like, I guess the best way of looking at it. Like it's like a part animal, like, but it kind of looks a little bit more human. Although it does have a bit more of a cartoonish style to it. So I was already drawn in by the artwork. So I was, I was curious. I'm thinking, okay, this might be some like silly little indie thing that might have some, like some crazy ideas or might do like some, like nice chill storytelling and about 30 minutes in i went oh no never mind this is like a goosebumps level choose your own adventure book oh shit <laughs> and everything changed because at first the game is pretty peppy you know it's it's cute like as anybody who's watching the youtube version of the show right now you're seeing the character art it's very adorable like come on don't tell don't tell me that you want to like just pat that fur right there come on but um the game suddenly decides to take a bit of a twist when it starts to reveal its hand in that it's, like I said, a dark, you know, you can lead yourself to your death sort of choose your own adventure. So the way that the game works is that you find these uh, trinkets or I can't remember what they call it in the game, but you find like these things over time that it'll be like you'll talk to a person and they'll say something like even on screen it just popped up where it shows tickle and it's like a picture it's you think it almost is like a collectible but it turns out that what it actually is is like it's almost like a keyword that you use to unlock a different branching path in the story so it's several different instances in the story you'll come to a crossroads where whatever of these trinkets you have available that's fit into this scenario you can pick and it'll branch off into a different part of that story and you can jump between these spots because the way that the story works is it tells it not linear. So you'll get like to one point, you'll hit a dead end where you'll go to your death and you'll be like, oh shit, I can't progress. So I'll go back and try this path that I didn't unlock because I chose the other option. And you'll slowly try to piece together different versions of the story in different timelines or different universes, whichever way you want to look at it until you finally get to what you would consider the canonical end of it. So... You know, there there was a point where I had maybe three different paths. I picked one and I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. But you know what? I really want to see where this takes me. So I actually stopped, flipped back to a different one and tried that. And at any point, if you decide to change it, you can either, it tells you even at the start, do you want to start at the beginning of this pick or do you want to go based on where you last left off? So because I played this all in one go, it took me about like five hours or so. I was able to just go, oh yeah, I remember what happened. No prob, just put me right back to that last piece that I was at. So it's it's nice that you're able to just flip between whatever you want, even if you want to experience the same path again because you want to like revisit some of the stories. Say if you put put it down for a week and you've kind of missed out on stuff, you have the opportunity to just go back to that same branching path and see what the story was again, just to kind of refresh yourself. So I found that it was a very interesting way of telling the story in this very disjointed you're getting like different pieces of information that may not necessarily actually mean anything in the final path, but it's the alternative version that you're falling into. So you're kind of getting more and more pieces as you go. 
some of them that might lead you to think, okay, well, maybe next time when I go on what's the proper path, maybe I'll find out the truth to what this is. So you'll find like, oh, this person's the bad guy. And then you'll play a different time. And you're like, wait, is that person the bad guy? And then you'll play a different path. And you're like, oh no, wait, it might be this person. Like it has a fun thing of, it keeps you kind of guessing on what the story is because it doesn't really tip its hand until probably I'd say about the 75% point where it pretty much tells you this is who it is. So you can stop guessing now. And it does a pretty good job of branching it out enough that you won't find the answer right away. You'll generally like skip between a couple of different storylines before you actually get to the proper pathway to really understand the story. But like, it's very well put together. The art's really well done. Um, it doesn't waste your time very much. Like every, even just talking to NPCs, like it's not the kind of game that like you spend way too much time talking and getting no information. Like every little thing has its own quirks. Like there are certain characters, there's one character that I really like going to, which was the, um, the journalist of the game who is like this like cute little bat girl and everything that she says, no matter which storyline you are currently in is enough information that's just kind of leading you to think a, a different direction. So it's it's definitely complementing the main mystery that you're trying to figure out. And the fact that it fits this in in what seems like a very cute exterior, but has some very, very dark stuff in the background. Like there is definitely death, murder, you know, depression, like suicide. Like there's a lot of very dark stuff that happens during the course of this game. And then all of a sudden it'll just be like, actually, just kidding. Here's some crazy, like silly, like kids going out and having fun stuff again before it goes right back to the dark shit. Almost like a fucking Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure novel. That's pretty cool. It is definitely a lot of fun. And I saw my boy Rolo <laughs> on there. That's my favorite. Love that kid. I'm trying to think who my favorite actually was in that. I really, I really did enjoy, I can't think of the, uh, the girl that you pick up later on that you end up getting the dyed hair of later on i can't think of her name right now like almost all of the characters the only ones that aren't that cool are the villains but that's kind of intentional they're meant to be like oh god i fucking that person's i don't like this person at all everybody else you're you're meant to like who you like so it does a very good job of keeping like a very quirky game that has like the very nice cast of characters that kind of all complement each other very well the only thing i i'm kind of on the fence of they don't have voice acting. They just have kind of like the Animal Crossing level sounds of just like, you know, very like just like that kind of sound. And some of them actually are like fit very well in the, in the cute sort of environment that it does. There's a part of me that wishes that they did full voice acting for everybody because they do have a narrator that voice acts and sometimes feels out of place because everybody else isn't speaking. So it feels a little weird in that aspect that there's someone talking, but at the same time, everybody else doesn't. So I think that's like one of the few complaints that I have. But like, I absolutely adored this game. At first I thought, ah, this is all right. And then as soon as the hook starts, I'm like, oh shit. I felt the same way about this game that I did after watching one episode of Wednesday where I went, fuck, I've got to finish this all in one go now. I can't stop this. So Adam, my question to you is, what do you give Bacon Pies on our um, one to six gaming score? I really want to give it a six, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out and give it a five point five because my one honest complaint is that while the end is a is a fitting end, I think it could have been just a little more definitive because the end is basically a pick three for how it actually ends. 
and it didn't quite it didn't quite go like it's funny like the way that it ends out can be very like fun for the viewer but it doesn't feel necessarily like you know what how you would expect like a mystery movie to end have like a definitive like here's the villain here's their just rewards for for you know what they get for what they deserve instead it's okay that's one ending okay there's the second ending okay there's the third ending you can flip between them so quickly that it almost doesn't have as much value so that's that I, I i the only thing i can do is give it that half point for just not quite ending to the level that the mystery and the hype for that end was kind of getting me to that is like literally my one true complaint like the voice acting i can i can do away with i don't care like the the faux voice acting of like the vo the animal crossing style voices is perfectly fine for what it was so my only real complaint is just the ending if it was just slightly more definitive or just branching into only one end I think that probably would have been the best decision. The fact that it became a pick three for how the end finishes, to me, because it, it wasn't three different endings. It was more the same ending, but the but the way of how it ends in this way is just slightly different. So it was it, it wasn't Mass quite what I was hoping for. They went the Mass Effect three route. It went it went well for Bioware. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the review of Weekend Vines. Uh, greatly appreciate it. And that's going to be us for this week's episode. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. If you like that and you want to hear more, we have a whole bunch of episodes. Uh, you can find them uh, on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a bunch of social media. If you want to find us, you can find our link tree, linktr.ee forward slash pixel play podcast. We have a Discord, social media, including Twitter and Instagram. If you want to join us there, we'd absolutely love it. If you've gotten this far and you haven't gotten sick of us, hey, why don't you leave us a review wherever you listen to us? It helps so greatly. I've been your host, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined as always by Adam, CS Radical, and Chris at Gin and Chris. Thank you so much, gentlemen, and we will see you guys next week. Bye for now. That's not true. We have an announcement that we forgot to make. What's that? So next week on this YouTube channel, so if you don't know it already, again, Linktree, so L-I-N-K-T-R dot E slash Pixel Play Podcast, or just search up Pixel Play Podcast on YouTube. We will be going live. We will be going oh, yeah, live right. for our first episode in a while. So we're going to be, we're going to test out the internet gods and see if it's, it's actually nice to us. So uh, I believe we're working on 8.30 Eastern on Tuesday. So Tuesdays at 8.30 is what we're aiming for. And after that, the live show, like, we'll, it'll still be up. Like on YouTube, it'll still be, it'll be up after the stream is done in terms of the, uh, audio versions i'll probably separate everything clean it up a bit and then throw it you know into our usual way of getting a of audio episodes up so those will probably be up still wednesdays at noon like they normally are but otherwise like cool. you're going to start seeing the streams now at least until we the internet decides that it doesn't want to work that way anymore and then maybe we have to take them offline again but we'll see but yeah i would say at least for the time being 8 30 eastern time every tuesday now we're going to be trying to aim to get the show you two guys live so you guys can interact in the chat maybe even towards the end of the show if people have stuff to say and they want to point something out maybe maybe we'll take some time to answer some questions if you guys you know want to want to hear you know chris's thoughts on uh chrono cross again and, and just how angry he is or just the fact that there's just no new chrono game at all period or if you just basically want to say how much of an idiot x person on the show is i guess that still works too it's a comment nonetheless it means you're interacting that's the important part Warning, if awesome. you bring up chrono cross to me it's a four hour ama that we're doing that's what that <laughs> Awesome. And I well, would also pay attention to uh, to our Twitter account as well. Also, 
if you want to follow any of us. So obviously Pixel Playcast is where we normally will post any information, but myself at CS Radical and then Chris at Jen and Chris on Twitter. Uh, I will hopefully sometime this week be streaming on the channel just for gameplay purposes. We'll see how that goes. It really depends on how things kind of work out with my schedule, but my plan is to finally uh, get around to streaming. Probably Goldeneye at this point since it's fresh, but that's neither here nor there. I'll figure it out. It's it's like the old words of, uh, I can't even think of the guy's name right now, but that infamous clip of, fuck it, we'll do it live. That's That's going to be me whenever I decide to go live again. I don't know when that'll be, so just stay tuned. I'll try to make an announcement when that's going to happen. Awesome. Looking forward to that. So, so, so yeah, I'm I'm so, I'm sorry to interrupt the outro bit that you had there, but you can you can go ahead and it's, now actually close the show for reals this done, time. It's, it's done. It'll feel forced if I do it again. We're just gonna sign off here. Bye everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you guys. Take care.